Hello, this is John Van Fleet, Managing Editor at the Concord Monitor. I'm here with Granite Geek David Brooks to learn more about a column he wrote earlier this week. Hello, Dave. Hello, John. Can you tell me uh, a little bit about the, the column? And, and let's just start by saying it's about textbooks. Textbooks. College textbooks. College textbooks. Something yeah. that, uh, you know, uh, is... But lay it out. Something that you and I have not been involved with for a number of decades here. Yes, uh, college textbooks. So we all remember the extreme joy of going to college and going to your first classes and being told you had to buy this large, heavy book for, you know, 75 bucks. And during the course of the semester, you'd read, you know, 17 pages in it. And at the end of the semester, you could sell it back to the used bookstore for $3. Or maybe not at all because there's a new edition coming out, and so the one you bought is useless. This has been uh, an irritant for uh, people going to school for, uh, well, at least since we were there. Uh, I was there many decades ago, and I'm sure before that. So there has been a push in recent years to develop online alternatives to textbooks. Makes perfect sense, right? And particularly textbooks have to be updated and information. Why not do it online? Um, and this push is kind of finally coming to New Hampshire, and that's that's what I wrote about mm -hmm. is that it's it, – it, it, there is a, um, a really organized push uh, within the uh, community college system in particular mm -hmm. to develop what is known as open, to develop and share open educational resources. That's sort of the, you know, the pompous edu-speak term for it. Uh, online stuff that can be updated, that can be shared, that may or may not have any cost associated with it. So. Well, it's obviously a topic that is close to people both uh, you and I, who have kids who have gone through college, yep. I have a I have a kid in college right now, and current students. Uh, I got I have a confession that I still hold on to many of my textbooks because I paid so much money for them, and then they were worth next to nothing. Nothing. Not so enough. so what is the alternative if if things are moving online? Right. Who's uh, who's for this? Who's against it? So the, uh, obviously the publishers are not enthusiastic about it. So they, th this has been a fight for a long time. So the publishers argue that the current system, yeah, it's expensive, but you know what, making a textbook is expensive if you need to get expertise. Uh, they tend to, they're often very difficult to print because they have lots of weird stuff in them. They have, they have math textbooks, you got all the strange formatting. Um, and they have a relatively small market. Even though there's a lot of students out there, you know, it's, it's not like all that many people are gonna buy a textbook. Um, Nonetheless, the prices have gone through the roof, and particularly for, for, for textbooks at popular introductory courses. So I'm thinking, the one I'm thinking of is Economics 101. I don't know if it's still the case, but Paul Samuelson, who was a famous economist, wrote kind of the definitive econ textbook. And every two years, he'd come out with a new one. And every two years, you'd have to get the new one because the page numbers would change, you know. So you wouldn't be able to figure out the assignment. Uh, and the guy made a friggin' fortune in his life from this thing. So it's it's ones like that is what particularly being targeted by open e uh, open um, education resource. So basically what they're saying is, and, and if you can go on the OER uh, website, and they've, they've created kind of the equivalent of a textbook. They've put up material there. Most of it's open uh, Creative Commons license, so it's free. Some of it isn't free. Uh, it'll have uh, graphics associated with it, audio files, text, uh, editable comments coming back, um, all the usual stuff you've gotten used to on, on the digital world that's not available in print, and that, that, that kind of works. It, 
and as I say, these this tends to emphasize the the intro courses. The further kind of kind of uh, up the ladder you go in specialty courses, the less likely you are to find it because, frankly, it gets harder and harder to write. You know, it's it's one thing to write an open econ text, but it's another thing to get somebody who has the expertise and ability to to write an advanced econ text. So. As I say, the, the community college system in particular is pushing this one. They, uh, they have a goal of, of saving $500,000 worth of textbook uh, expenses uh, during this year. Um, community college students tend to be non-traditional and perhaps a little more sensitive to these extra little costs, you know. Uh, they've scraped together the money to, to get a couple semesters of education and all of a sudden they get $500 worth of textbook costs that'll, that'll, you know, that'll knock them off the latter. So that's why they're pushing it. Um, as I say, there are a number of other states that already do this, and I, actually I think you've encountered this with your daughter, right? Um, yeah, she is she, a freshman, and many of her classes have online uh, resources as opposed to physical textbooks. So instead of coughing up hundreds of, hundreds of bucks for textbooks, she spent like... Twenty. Twenty bucks! <laughs> Twenty bucks wouldn't get you a workbook when I was in school. <laughs> but enough about the good news. <laughs> the, the woman that you talked to in the column yeah. did say that this is basically price gouging from publishers and many students have to choose between paying rent or buying books. Yeah, that, exactly that kind of thing. And, and uh, as I say, it's been, a fight, it's been a fight between academia and publishers for a long time over this. Um, and it's kind of frankly surprising that textbooks haven't been undermined more by the digital. Um, what's interesting actually in New Hampshire is that we're a little bit behind the curve in this. Uh, so your daughter goes to school in Massachusetts. They're already way ahead of this. Um, New, New Hampshire, it's it's finally coming. But what's interesting is it's much more being driven from above. Usually this is a grassroots kind of thing. You know, a bunch of students or, you know, associate professors get pissed off and they kind of organize it themselves and it sort of bubbles up from below. Uh, a lot of it now is being in New Hampshire is actually being pushed by uh, the administration, which is basically, you know, I guess realizes they have to hold on to every student they can as with declining high school enrollments. And so if this is driving out some students, we better do something about it and hold on to it. So. Which is great for community college students, but they're in the minority of, of higher ed students. So do you think this is going to make its way to the university oh, system? Uh, it, yeah, it has as well. I, I mean, it, the community college is sort of is the, the visible, in, in fact, um, the professor I talked to, she's she's sort of spearheading it at the moment. Is why I talked to her. But no, oh yeah, there's definitely you know at the at the, at the at all the college levels. I'm I'm sure you go to the private colleges and you'll find it. It tends to be it's often uh, more on a professor by professor or department by department basis. So if you go to college, it might be you know for whatever reason you know the the psychology department might be really into it because uh, you know. 10,000 people tend to take Psych 101, right? Uh, whereas maybe the math department isn't, perhaps because there's there's fewer resources available for, for a calculus text online or something like that. So so it's it's not universal. But um, but I do think, and particularly in New England, colleges are facing real problems uh, with declining enrollment if they can cut down some expenses without in and and when they like it because this doesn't this doesn't affect their own expense, right? Mm -hmm. They can they're still getting the tuition from you. But if they can let you pay less for textbooks, maybe you're you're willing to pay a little more for tuition that they get. So mm -hmm. they, there's a little self incentive there. So, well, fascinating, and uh, I'm not sure there's too many people who, uh, like you and I, wouldn't welcome this news. No. So for the um, 
for this podcast, why don't we make a new edition and then we can sell it for twice as much money next week? How that's, about that, Dave? That's right, exactly. I mean, you have to listen to this right now. We're going to come out with the next one, change all the all the page numbers. You're going to have to buy a new one, and you know how much you spend for this podcast. You're going to have to spend twice as much next week. Okay. So you can learn more about this topic at ConcordMonitor.com, and you can see all the Granite Geek columns related and related stories at GraniteGeek.org. And you can subscribe to this fine podcast on Stitcher, Google Music, Podbean, or iTunes. The theme music for this podcast is Little Smartphone by the Spied Kicks. Thanks. Thank you.